So hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Southcast this season with myself, Glyn Price, and Ollie Warner. Um, yeah, mate, we are we're at the end of our good run, and uh, suddenly we're we're suddenly looking in a different direction a bit quickly, Ollie. But yeah, bit of an interesting one on Saturday, wasn't it, with Bolton? And um, I don't know, is it is it rocks your confidence of where we were headed, or are you, are you still kind of trying to keep a positive spin on it? I went into a proper sulk after they scored. <laughs> proper sulk. Um, didn't want to listen to um, BBC Shropshire. Um, didn't even look at Twitter again after I did my full-time tweet until maybe 8, 9 o'clock after I had some Chinese. Um, proper sulk. <laughs> listened to podcasts and headphones on the way out. Um, it was one of those games where, yeah, it's just it's a very frustrating game, wasn't it? Mm. We, we, dominated, we dominated the game. We created all the chances. Um, I think when you have opposition fans um, saying that you know you dominated the game for sixty five minutes, um, it proves that yeah you, you wasn't you know weren't looking at it through blue and amber specs. It was a good no. reflection of the game, um, and yeah, I think it was a tough one to take. Um, yes, you're right, Glenn. Obviously, you know we had that fantastic run. Um, results haven't been you know last couple of results haven't been as as good as we'd like, um, but performances were good here, um, and I think we we're going to talk about the same old problems and probably the root causes of why we didn't get over the line on Saturday. Yeah, and a slightly new problem, I suppose, which we'll get to. It's a bit of a give-and-take game, isn't it, I suppose? You know, we all, we all wanted to win and we all wanted to keep that good run going and, you know, Bolton win on the best of form, were they? They hadn't won away from, away from home for such a long time. I wasn't quite aware of how long that had been. It was something like 800 days or something mental like that because of the bad run they'd been on. But, um, yeah, it's just one of those things, isn't it, I suppose? But we'll, we'll dig deep into that game now and, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk about the Bolton game. That's a loose header. Falls to Hibbert. Hibbert shoots on the volley. What a goal from David Hibbert! Shrewsbury Town nil, Bolton one. Goal in eighty nine minutes from Charles. Um, attendance over eight thousand. You'll talk about that in a second, Glenn. Um, and yeah, um, again, um, Bolton were unchanged, and so was Shrewsbury. Six games in a row now. That's according to you, Glenn. I'll take. Hope that's right. Um, and yeah, Maurice Pennington, Ebanks, Nurse, Bennett, Vella, Davis, Lee, um, better Ado and Bowman. Um, with um, Vella definitely playing as a midfield three. Obviously, that's probably the only real change we've seen in the last few weeks. Um, but you got you've done a bit of work and some prep, Glenn, in terms of stats mm. this week. Yeah, well, yeah, normally do, don't we? Normally cobble something together off there. And um, yeah, just before we get to the actual stats, the whole non-changing of the team six games in a row, I wanted to find out how long it had been since that was the case because it feels like it would have been a really long time. Maybe it happened under Hurst that we kept the same team six games in a row, but I'm not even sure that that would have happened then. So I bet it's been a hell of a long time since we had six games in a row where we just didn't didn't start someone different during that period. But that one is beyond me, Ollie. I, I can't figure that out. So if someone else does this week, feel free to um, yeah send us a tweet at uh, Salopcast or to... Um, to the Blue and Amber account because I'd, I'd be interested to know when it last happened but talking of last time things happened Ollie this was the one really um, we obviously have just played Sheffield Wednesday and um, and Bolton back to back in front of what has been very healthy crowds um, plus 8,000 and there's only been 8 plus 8,000 crowds in a, in a football league game at New Meadow um, so you know two of them have happened this season which is a bit bonkers isn't it really um, you know to have 25% of the, the total big crowds we've happened in the, in the last three weeks so that's staggering enough but to go back and look at the last time we had 8,000 people um, in a stadium back-to-back for a league game, um, you have to go back a hell of a long way, Ollie. Um, it took me a long time to find this out. I assumed it might have happened in the League 2 promotion season. We just missed out um, in then. Um, we didn't quite get uh, 8,000 in the game before the Dagenham game. But yeah, you have to go back to 1979-1980. Um, April the 1st, uh, 1980, Preston came to town. 8,643 in. And then on the 8th of April, uh, seven days later... Played Sunderland at home and there was 12,346 in. Um, we'd be loving those sort of crowds now. But yeah, it is staggering really to think that we've gone, what what, what is, you know, 40 years, Ollie, to have had two big attendances back to back like that in the Football League. And I suppose it's twofold, isn't it? Yeah, we played two big teams. Um, but, you know, there's a hell of a lot of Shrewsbury Town fans there have been the last two games. And it and it has showed how that was kind of momentum built. And, um, you know, the, the club have been rewarded, I suppose, really, with some, with some healthy gate receipts. Yeah, I completely agree, Glenn. Obviously, we had some you know very low attendances, didn't we, at the end of the, mm. the era at the Meadow um, in in town, and then obviously moving to to the new ground, we've 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 built up quite a healthy fan base. Yeah, um, and yeah, it's it's doing well, and it's funny. I haven't been down the Otley Road for a long time, as you know. I always go the Sainsbury's way, but I was in Shrewsbury a couple of weeks ago and drove down the Otley Road, and well, there's a lot of houses around there now. So yeah. maybe that's maybe that's contributing a little bit as well as a, maybe a few people have moved to the area or people that are closer and. Maybe that's added a few hundred as well. 
That's an absolutely fascinating, fascinating point to make, Ollie, and something that I spent a lot of time talking about in the fanzines and stuff when we used to them back in the day about what the football club could do to try and engage those new residents within the Otley Road area and obviously the, the more houses to come. I think there's a fair point in that. It'd be fascinating to know how many people of, of kind of regular season ticket holders are living in that area now or, you know, based on the, the information the club have, how many people are coming semi-regularly from there because, you know, it might be a reason why our, our crowds are kind of held up um, post-COVID. So I think there's a bit of that as well, isn't there, of, of crowds this season of people wanting to be back in stadiums. But yeah, to have 8,000 plus um, in the New Meadow back to back for the first time in that stadium um, for league games and obviously the first time since 1980 um, when I was born you know it's pretty bonkers 40 years so um, yeah really good to see that I think and a good sign for the future if um, we can start to retain some of these fans that are coming down for these bigger games so um, that was good Another thing happened on Saturday, Ollie, which was quite interesting. We obviously battered Bolton. Um, we'll come to what happened and why we didn't win. We had 22 shots in the game, Ollie, um, which is the most we've had in the league game since we played Bolton away um, in 2019-20, so two seasons ago where we had 25. But obviously, if you remember that game, Ollie, Danny Ado scored. Oh, but that it was, was a versus... really frustrating game. That's the game when yeah. Okunabiri came on on 90 minutes, wasn't it? It was. And we. But the other point of it is, is that was against 10 men for quite a long period of time it in the was. second half, so you expect to rack up more shots. But yeah, to have had 22 shots, it's the first time we've ever done that in League One um, since we came back up in 12-13 in so, um, versus 11 men. So yeah, quite a unique circumstance on Saturday in terms of that amount of created chances. And I suppose when you look at something like that, the fact it hasn't happened in League One before, it kind of makes you feel even more gutted we didn't win, doesn't it? Yeah, actually I was going to say this for later, but I think now is, my own, now is, now is an appropriate time <laughs> to kind of cover it. I went on to um, Scout and had to look at some of the, the numbers for shots. So mm. a, a decent chance is kind of like 0.2. A really good chance is that maybe like 0.3 is very rough estimate. And then you look at our shots and it's 0 0.01, 0 0.03, 0 0.06, 0.01, <laughs> less than 0 0.001. And then it's just, yeah, it goes up to like our 10th, like basically the two Bowman efforts around 50, 60 minutes where they're one point, uh, 0 0.14 and, and 0 0.23, which is a really good header. Um, and yeah, you're right, Claire, we had a lot of shots, but yeah. we also had some pretty woeful shots we did. Um, from outside yes. the box, um, which is worth just covering after in that, that terms of shots. But you're right, Claire, you know, percentage, we just um, edged it. But in terms of attacking play, particularly in, in the first half, um, we def definitely dominated the game and it's frustrating. That's why I had a proper sulk after the game. It was a game that we really should have got we, oh, I can't believe we didn't win but um yeah to, to, to not even draw it was um yeah a bit of a sucker punch at the end yeah it's, it's interesting I mean this isn't something I put in the agenda but I was looking at it earlier today in that um our average shots per game in a, in a game last season was around nine just over nine I think it was Currently this season, despite how poor we were at the start of the season, we're, we're at about 11 shots a game. So there's clearly been an uptake in the amount of shot and chance creation this season. Obviously, the start of the season wasn't so much. It was it was about not scoring goals, but we were obviously conceding more than we traditionally had done before. So I think we're starting to see a pattern now as we approach, you know, the, the sort of January area and, you know, halfway points of the season that definitely been more output in terms of shots whether they're good yeah. shots or, or quality shots that's for um, us to decide but definitely there's been an uptake on that so far yeah and I think it comes down to coaching doesn't it this is where we mm. always lament the, the 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 manager and how good we think he's he's doing good job he's doing in this, this in this arena coaching has been brilliant and I think the development of our play has been really good throughout the season um, it's, we've seen um, you know visible improvements in our performances we are direct, which sometimes people think could mean that you hoof the ball. We don't hoof the ball, do we? We play the ball into channels, play the ball quickly. We play the ball very direct. We try and get the ball into dangerous areas. And that was another example, wasn't it, on Saturday, where we got the ball forward quickly. You know, We're not going to have 60%, 70% possession because that's not how we play. But with 51% possession, we had over 20 shots, um, which is a, a good intent really of getting to those, those good areas. Um, again, it's just that final third stuff that's just letting us down. That key element, Glenn, of scoring goals. Yep, yep, which we'll come to as we go through the game about what we could have done to try and change that on Saturday. But yeah, we'll revisit that in a minute. The last stat, Ollie, which is a bit of a fascinating one, really, um, because it kind of does still paint a picture of somewhat of the work we've got left to do this season. But um, we're now seven points behind where we were at this point last season in terms of um, played games um, in, the, in the league season, like for like. And that's the worst we've been behind seven points um, this season. So obviously more than a couple of couple of wins now, really, behind last season. Um there's a lot of work to do in the second half of the season, Ollie. I think it just shows that we cannot afford to have a poor end to the season again. I know most people would probably recognise that just by looking at the league table, but you know, when you look at these like for like comparisons and, and kind of see how poorly we finished last year, yeah, being seven points behind means there's a hell of a lot of work to do to get us get us up and, and keep us up really as we go on. 
Yeah, and it's it's we're doing this almost back to front. We normally do talk about the league table and this kind of stats at the end, yeah. but it's, it's yeah. always working. It's, yeah, it's right to do it now. Yeah, we're 18th in the league, 27 games played, 30 points below us are Wimbledon. Um, mm-hmm. We played 25, 28, then Fleetwood with 28, Morecambe with 27, and then Crew with 22. So there is a there is a big gap. There's obviously an eight point gap between us and Crew in 22nd, and an even bigger gap to Doncaster and Gillingham. And Gillingham look in serious trouble. Um, but you're right, Glenn. You know, over Christmas we were saying, yeah, we, you know, we were looking up. Um, yeah. And, it's, and now we're saying, yeah, don't look down, don't look down. Um, Bit of a reality check, Ollie. We've had a few. It is a reality check, podcast. isn't it? Yeah. It's a, it's yeah. a reality check. It was a bit of a shot in the arm, isn't it? We were doing so well, and we were driving up the table. You know, count to that round. If we'd actually won in this game, we would have been, we would have been, yeah, fourteenth or fifteenth. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, on, on level points with Charlton, um, and above Lincoln, Charlton, and Bolton. But it wasn't to be. Um. But you're right, Glenn. I think um. You know, the next few games are key. Hopefully, we can pick up some points and. Yeah, keep that nice buffer that I think we need to to, to get into before mm. we get into April May. An annoying reality check, I think, is completely the fair way to describe Saturday because we played really well and we did most almost more everything we needed to, but still somehow we came the wheels came off in terms of the result. But there we go. Um, yeah, I don't know. Pre match, Ollie, a couple of things just to pick up on really on in terms of Saturday. Um, I know you were there. We were very uh, harsh on Sheffield Wednesday's fans a few weeks back, weren't we? In terms of uh, selling out an entire way end and not making any noise. But I thought, fair play to Bolton. Um, they were very different, weren't they? They were very noisy, very behind their team. Obviously, much later on they were as well. But um, yeah, I, I thought, you know, if we're going to if we're gonna give teams a bit of a, a pasting uh, for not making much noise, we've probably got to reflect <laughs> that some fans turned up and did make some noise. Totally agree. I'd say Bolton, probably the best away fans we've had this season as a, yep. a collective. Probably man for man. Accrington Stanley, I think, are still the best man for man. Um, but yeah, as a collective... Um, there were, you know, when often when you when you have a big away following like that and you pack out the away end, um, mm. it, they can obviously dominate the whole stadium. Um, at times they did that. Um, yeah. Complete contrast to Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah, and probably maybe something that played played a part in the, the late rally they had and how determined they were to yeah. score because it would have been amazing to score in front of that that away end I would imagine. But yeah, we were only talking about their behaviour in the stadium. We will revisit their behaviour and, and other people's some of their behaviour. Yeah, outside outside the ground. Obviously, yeah, in the same way that um, we had our instance, and it's only a minority of fans. But yeah, not not some not, not unsavory things happen post match. I think is is fair to say. Um, and also another thing I thought I wanted to comment on, Ollie, and it brings us to sort of a bit of a wider chat, really, about um what the the guys in the safe standing area are doing. But there was a streamer display. I don't know if you'd got up to your seat by that point. Um, it looked amazing, to be fair. It did look quite continental, I have to say, with the flags going and streamers pouring down all over the people at the front of the South Stand. I, I have to say, stuff like that I really like. Uh, and if, they, if it wasn't behind the goal uh, where I can't stand watching football games, I'd love to be part of that. But um, yeah, I just wanted to say it looked amazing. And also, um, they're doing some brilliant work in terms of trying to make it even more uh, sort of kind of impressive going forward by a, a fundraiser at the moment, the, the South Stand Flags guys, um, which is amazing. I know you've supported it. I've, I've had a chat with them today about it and they're going to hopefully record a bit of uh, audio for us over the next couple of weeks to play out as they keep their fundraiser going on. So, I don't know, just another thing to point out really to say they're doing good work. We don't always mention them, but I thought on Saturday, again, brilliant. Yeah, there was some, yeah, I, I donated um, pretty much as yep. soon as it went up. And Matthew Pennington put in over 100 quid Amazing. to make them hit their target. And now they're over 1,100 quid. Um, yeah, I do have a, have a habit. And good job Becky doesn't listen to the podcast. I always get a pint in before a game. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I was, yeah, I always time it immaculately, Glenn. I have my pint and then I yeah, get to my seat just before. So I missed it. But maybe me and you should do a, uh, maybe we should do like a bit of a live pod or something like that from maybe the yeah. South Stand. Um, you, the, the the concourse over there is so much bigger. You probably could actually record something at half time, um, but mm, maybe maybe we should try and get a, a game in the in the South Stand before the end of the season. Yeah, I'll, I'll be up for something different like that. Yeah, everything's we're always willing to give something a try, aren't we, Ollie? To be fair, and um, my post match was very uh, different to normal, Ollie. Um, I took the kids into the club shop, um, which still looks like a bomb's gone off in it, but they were desperate to get some new kit, and I'd been tipped off that there was some actual kids training wear in there now. Um, and so yeah, luckily the kids managed to find a bit of um, a bit of training wear, which is nice. So they're quite happy now to have a bit of, a bit of new kit, really. And um, you know, I think it was sixty quid into the club for a couple of couple of training tops, which is nice. Um, yeah, wasn't too, wasn't too much. Else knocking around in there at times very few very few shirts ollie i'll say that but um yeah no time for chips which might be the reason we lost this game ollie because you know it's very rare i don't have chips at the football but um yeah there we go that was my pre-match so uh yeah sat down obviously saw the streamers and uh a very kind of quick high-paced game started didn't it yeah i thought it was quite even both mm. teams started on the front foot 
Um, it was kind of like, yeah, front foot football. Um, I, I think Bolton faded as the half went on. Um, but yeah, both teams kind of started the game pretty well after probably maybe like 10, 15 minutes or so. Um, Shrewsbury started to kind of slowly t- turn the dial in our favour. Um, but first kind of really end ball entry into the box came from Bolton. Good cross into the box on the left-hand side, but goes wide. One of those kind of ones where you fear a little bit, probably in south yeah. and it probably didn't look too bad. And then probably one of our first chances we had for us. Attack down the left. Um, a cross in, a, from Bowman a kind of across the box um, to Vela, who misses the ball. Really awkward <laughs> moment for him. But a good strike from Bennett. Um, that was a decent effort there, I thought, Glenn. Yeah, it was a rising strike, wasn't it? It was always going over, I think. But he, he tried to hit it as hard as he could. Um, yeah, it was, it was interesting on the Vela one, wasn't it? He'd obviously said pre-match um, that he wouldn't celebrate if he scored against Bolton. Well, there was very little chance of that happening in this game from the way he played Ollie in terms of his, his finishing. But um, he got booed initially at the start of the game um, by the Bolton fans. And I was like, this guy's been praising you all week and you started booing him. It seemed a bit <laughs> seemed a bit backwards, that. But... Um, yeah, a few people around me were joking about Vela saying, you know, he's not going to have to worry about celebrating if he keeps shooting like that. And uh, it, it kind of did happen the whole game. Any chance he had during the game, it was a it was a little bit snatched out or a little bit rushed, I think he was wasn't trying it? too hard, wasn't he? Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah he's trying too hard. And yeah, it's funny, they were the Bolton fans were booing him, which I thought was completely necessary, given that <laughs> he he's not like he left under a cloud or something. No. Um, and then they were chanting later on, not uh, not very loudly, but they were chanting that Josh Vela's a... Is a, is a wonderer. So um, yeah, oh, I miss that. A bit of bit of obviously conflict amongst their fan base when it comes to Josh Feller. But yeah, unless unless someone unless a, a, a former player does something pretty bad, I don't see the reason for booing. It seems a bit harsh. But um, yeah, back to the game. Um, yes, yeah, Shuji. You know, I thought one thing that was all really interesting, Glenn, is that Bolton liked to play the ball out the back. Um, it's something that Ever is is quite uh, known for. Um, but I thought we were doing really well setting traps. Um, yeah. Often we had a better pushing up really high. Um, Leahy, Davis and Vela were ready with Bowman and Doe pouncing. And a few times we caught, we got them in a trap. We won the ball back and managed to you know create something. Um, it was interesting. It took you know they tried to play the ball out and then eventually as the half went on, I felt I felt they were doing a bit less. Um, but I thought it was good to see you know obviously as we always talk about Steve Cottrell setting the team up. Um, mm. Good 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 evidence there that you know we had a, a game plan ready for this one. No, I agree. I think you know, he, he, you know, you can set those traps when you've got eleven players that are playing week in week out who he knows are going to run through brick walls, which they are doing at the moment, aren't they? You know, to the to the point of physical exhaustion with some of them. And um, yeah, I think that the traps they were setting and, and the amount of pressing at times in the right places that was happening that was what was the bedrock really towards those counters and those good attacks that we had and the nice bits of play in midfield at times. And uh, yeah, tactically, you know, as the game went on in the first half, we we looked like we pitched it completely right, didn't we? Yeah, I thought it was a good setup. Um, first half was very good from a Shrewsbury perspective, but unfortunately, it was the it was those final final third and those shots um, and and the lack of accuracy was our was our downfall. As mm. I said at the start, was from my XG. So good counter from Shrewsbury, but that was a shot that goes very high and wide. Um, yeah, it was <laughs> almost almost went out of the stadium. Um, and the town by now were playing really, really well. Lots of pressing, um, and then Bolton was starting to look quite fragile, and and they kept sitting deeper and deeper and deeper um, as the half went on. By the yeah. end, they were sitting really, really deep, and it was very much one-way traffic. I thought at the end there was a um, the odd moment where Charles had a shot in the box, um, mm. and that was a brilliant, brilliant um, block from Ebanks. I thought amazing. Yeah, they had a, they had maybe a five minute spell, didn't they? As that game went on, before before they got really deep in that last sort of eight nine minutes, they had a tiny little spell where they had that chance. They had a couple of other slightly dangerous attacks, but other than that, they were not really a threat for the, for most of that no. half. I didn't think. No, yeah. and it's interesting on Sofa Score they do this thing and they do this like probability of who's going to win. And at half time, it was like fifty three percent Shrewsbury, thirteen percent Bolton, which I think goes to mm. show how, how how dominant we were in that half. Um, probably the best one of our best chances really I thought was a good cross from Bennett um, basically really good defending from a Bolton player and, and it could have come to a better than Bennett fires over um, but I thought yeah just just couldn't get that final ball couldn't get onto that final man in the in, in, the, in the box which was which was our downfall and I don't know Glenn was that was that poor decision making was it just we were not on the game or was it just like lack of quality we have I don't know what's your view of of why we didn't kind of score a goal in this game the first half particularly and also throughout the whole game so we'll touch on it in the post-match comments I think you know I do agree with what Steve Cottrell said about the front two not being at their sharpest I think that's entirely fair I don't think that Bowman and um Ado have really come back down from Liverpool, particularly Ado. I think he maybe has got his own little kind of after the Lord's Mayor show hangover going on he's still working hard but 
It's just he's not quite at the levels he was in that little spell before we went to Anfield. I think Bowman honestly might have that Sheffield Wednesday miss in his head a little bit because his finishing seems to have gone to pot a little bit as well and he's definitely snatching chances we'll talk about the header in the second half that he would have scored three or four weeks ago I reckon so they I think my view is that they definitely have both come off it and and if they're on their best form we've created enough chances in that game that one of them on their best form would have took a chance and would have gone 1-0 up and probably won so to me I'm kind of putting a little bit more on the strikers than I normally would have done and particularly over the last few weeks but yeah, to, to me, that's that's why we didn't go ahead and, and you needed to go ahead and to win this game, didn't you? I think one goal was obviously going to be enough for either team. So, yeah, maybe a little bit little bit on the strikers for me on this one. And, and that brings me to some of our discussion points in the second half about substitutions. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it was, yeah, strikers not quite on it. Um, we were also, I thought, very much focused down the right. I thought, um, I thought yeah. the left-hand side, Nurse had a good game, but obviously Nurse isn't playing in the more attacking role. He's playing left as the centre, less three of the centre-backs. Um, but yeah, I thought we were... Very pre- very reliant on Bennett creating stuff, but I thought yeah we were just I don't know it was, some of the crosses stuff weren't great, but I no. think you're right, Glenn. I think the strikers were off, and I don't think that the midfielders from an attacking point of view really contributed as much either. Um, you know we talked about Vela sh- shooting for instance. And looking at Bolton, I'd say that as as ropey as he looked with the ball on the deck, the big centre back they had, I think it's Santos, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, he was pretty dominant in the air. To be honest, we were playing against Bowman and and the Doe, um, physical presence that we just couldn't really get around. Similar to how Banks and 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 um, and Nurse and Pennington played against their front players, where I think that you know they 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 clearly didn't have much joy um, in terms of the defensive performance we put in. So defense is definitely on top, um, and, and obviously that will come to our top threes, where the defense features really heavily in my top three, which kind of shows you what the game was like, I suppose, for us. But yeah, I think you know there's lots of reasons why we didn't win it, and um, yeah, I think we kind of covered a few of them there. We'll we'll, we'll go on as we go for it but yeah one thing I did want to point out in the first half Ollie that I found entirely infuriating but also comical at the same time was the referee and I don't think town fans took to me because a little bit too quick to give little soft free kicks and slow the game down at times but God, he was an expressive referee. He had his hands out here. He was waving. He was p- calling people to him in such an expressive way. It was like, mate, you're not the centre of attention. Uh, he wasn't a terrible referee, I don't think, too much. Obviously, no absolute clangers, but uh, he was just one of those referees that kind of wanted to stand out, I think, Ollie, and never never a big fan of them. I agree to an extent. <laughs> the thing that does wind me up, and I think a referee should just book a player if they don't come quickly enough, is that he That's was calling players over to book yes. him. And they were players who were acting like big time Charlies, Bolton yeah. players in particular. And for me, that's for me. I think if you don't, I think if you refuse to come over, um, and the referee should stand still and not move towards the player. And I think if the player shouldn't come, you should just get booked. Maybe there's like a time premium or something like that. It's just, it just slows the game down, and it's just an unnecessary um, kind of disrespect for the referee. Yeah, maybe it's a, a Zaka situation for Arsenal where obviously there's that investigation into him taking ages over a free kick. He got booked, so there must be a time limit before you waste yeah, too much time. There was, there was, some, there was some like $400,000 worth of bets, wasn't there, Mental. around the yellow card. So, Dodgy. Yeah. Not yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, other than that, I mean, you couldn't really complain about the booking in the first half for Pennington. It was obviously one where he got yeah, the wrong side. Didn't he? Yeah, oh but I think the reason Town fans got a bit annoyed is there was one with like maybe two minutes before the half, which was, I think, that situation you're talking about where he was calling the guy over to him and he just pulled back one of our players. But because it wasn't you know near the edge of the box, it wasn't a booking. That, that, that royal. I thought that was a yellow team. card. I think, that, I I think did, that's yeah. a yellow yeah. card. It's it, for me. It's it's not necessarily also about the location. Obviously, location is important, but yeah. for me, that's it's a it's a special foul and as a yellow card. Yeah. And we've had fouls against us in our own box. Pennington's had them this season, yeah. um, so it's a bit inconsistent. But yeah, um, I agree with that. But, but um, yeah, I think are we on the second half now, Glenn? Let's <laughs> track. We had half time to quickly yeah. talk about, which was which was which was really nice to see for anyone that wasn't there on Saturday, but. Basically, two uh, two bigger the legends you could ever possibly have for a game between Bolton and um, and Shrewsbury Town. Obviously, Sir Mickey of Brown uh, was in town again. Um, uh, obviously, it's always great to see Mickey Brown for his escapades at the football club and his, his record-breaking statistics and obviously extra away and a million and a million and one other things that everyone remembers about Mickey. But obviously, a little bit before my time, Tony Kelly. Um, but you know, we talk to anyone who watched Town during the eighties and, and the, well, is it the late seventies, early eighties? I'm not too sure. But um, yes, obviously a player that was very, very fondly remembered here. But obviously, an absolute legend at Bolton. And it was really, really interesting to hear him talk because obviously he'd been through some tough times in the last um, last year. He talked about how he'd lost his parents um, during the COVID period and was really emotional about it. And then um, you know was paying paying tribute to the Bolton fans, particularly for some of the generosity and the fundraising he'd been doing. Um, which 
was really good to see that the Bolton fans had obviously rallied behind him and, and the work he'd been doing. And Mickey Brown, obviously an ex-teammate there, and, and kind of and, and kind of supporting him through it. I thought it was just a really we don't get too many interesting and and kind of thought-provoking, maybe emotional half times. We get a draw for the free season ticket occasionally. That's that's about it really. But yeah, just thought it was really really nice to kind of have two legends in the football club and make a bit of a deal about them at half-time. And it, and it brings me to a third, third point, I suppose, on this, is that this is the whole reason why, in the background, a lot of work is going on at the moment about an ex-players association and being able to do this stuff much more and much regularly and much more organised than maybe it has been done before. Um, so, yeah, it's it's good to see it on Saturday and hopefully we'll start to see it a little bit more next season as we get into 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 speed with that, really. Yeah, it's it's, it's good to see. Um, I didn't pay any attention to it, to be honest. I wasn't aware <laughs> if it was going on, to be honest. <laughs> Oh dear! <laughs> what a sad way to end. I was chatting, I chatting to mates and stuff at half time, yeah. and um, yeah, we're under the concourse. But um, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's good. Oh, well. It's good. Okay, good to see that that kind of stuff is happening. That was good. It was good. So um, yeah, there you go. I don't so get out of the house draw. anytime anymore, Glenn. So for me, um, every minute is valuable. <laughs> Yeah, you've got to make the most of being out the house. Exactly. Get another quick bite in, Ollie. Have a chat with some people you might not see for a few exactly. weeks. Exactly. I, I was chatting to Callum and, and Minnie, and, um, and yeah, even brought Phil a pint, but he didn't come down and have it, so we had to share it. Oh, so, yeah. dear, there you go. That's your two rows back. That's all the characters back there. They're all, all good lads. Um, there we go. Second half, Ollie. Um, yeah, bit different, wasn't it, I suppose, to, to the first. Yeah, well, it's, it was different, but and at the same time, it was the same, same, but different, wasn't it? It was mm. true to town, we're on top for probably the first half of the half. Yep. And we probably actually created some better chances. In terms yep. of those two Bowman chances, we're not going to do this chronological, it's going to kind of go through it. So yeah, there was one chance, mm. two headers for Bowman, really good touch from Vela, touch back. We do like a touch back cross, don't we? And where yeah. someone sets up the on-running on running player, cross into the box, header from Bowman goes over. Then maybe like 20 minutes later, there's another effort from Bowman and where he basically is kind of, he's kind of falling, he's going back and he headers the ball. And it's one of those ones where the goalkeeper would never would have saved it. Um, and that yep. was it. And they were probably their two, our two probably best chances we had in that half. Um, and we did create chances, but I think it's fair to say that, yeah, as you say, Glenn, but Bowman was off the pace. And, uh, you know, the manager talked about a doe, but Bowman kind of missed probably three chances. He had an, also had a shot that was blocked in this half as well. Um, a good a good block from a Bolton defender. Um, but I don't know. It was a It was a frustrating half. And I thought we were going to score, to be honest, but it just never yeah. happened, did it? It didn't. I, I, it's interesting. I mean, we might fall out about this and we might not. I, For all the chances that Bowman missed in terms of his final finishing, which is what we're paying for, I suppose, at the end of the day, I thought he had a bigger overall impact in the game than Ado did, if that's fair. No, I, I agree. agree with that. I would agree with that. Yeah. I think in terms of missing chances, I think you'd yes. have to, you know, Bowman missed, missed more chances. Yeah. But in terms of his all-round play, you know, one of the things that we've been lamenting about Ado is his build-up play and getting bringing players into play and playing that kind of, you know, that deeper forward. Um, he mm. didn't really have that. He was kind of off. He wasn't really on that on the game um, as much as he has been in recent weeks. And I think, you know, it only takes you know a little a little drop for us to to stop scoring, which is which is a worry. It, it brings us back to the same question of is Ado better in that deeper role or is is he is he going to start to evolve into a better player in the front two well he's been playing it for me I'd, yeah I'd, I'd say he while he plays a 10 sometimes I think he has been better playing as a deeper of the front two I think um, so yeah but yeah. yeah but it's how do you put it it's you know both of those two have to really be on their game I think to score you know they yeah. are probably below average league one strikers when you compare some of the strikers we have in the division Mm. and I think they have to be really on their game and I think we're really reliant on those players and some of our attacking players really being on it for us to score um, well, I, don't think, I think you have to really be on it to score yep. and I think that's yep. the difference we have sometimes in, in attacking in areas we don't have don't have you know top end quality um, that we have maybe in some other areas no, that's fair, I think. And, and you know, you talked about these good chances Bowen had, and, and they were the key chances, weren't they? Uh, but we still, you know, dominated up to 65, as far as I was concerned, in terms of the overall play, play, play as you mentioned there. They did create a couple of half-decent chances, didn't they? They had one header that was just wide from a corner, which was probably their best chance up to 65 minutes. But it was at that point where, I think we've been talking about it in the podcast for a few weeks now, haven't we, Ollie? Let's be honest about it, in terms of latter game management and yeah we've been getting results but we've definitely looked like we've tired and it's maybe just the adrenaline or the crowd being the 12th man that goes over the line but uh, being ahead is a massive one isn't it? it gives you something to defend but this time yeah it was the draw wasn't it so we were still trying to push forward but 
to me, and you know, I think a lot of people around us, and maybe we're wrong, but there was a definite kind of slowing of our game from 65 minutes. And it, and it brings me to the point, which I kind of wanted to talk about really, which is you can credit how well they played first half and how much effort they put in. But when, when the players know they're in a situation where they're likely not going to get subbed off and they're going to have to play 90 minutes, it, it's almost like the um, efficiency of effort, isn't it? You know, we're killing ourselves sometimes in the first half and the, and the start of the second half. And normally players would do that on the principle that if I run myself into the ground, I'm probably going to get to go off and someone else can come on and keep the, to keep the, the team going. But at the moment when we can't do that or Steve won't do that and, and, you know, it almost feels like we put so much into a first half that it actually ends up hindering us in the second half in this situation at the moment. And there's lots of ways you can change that. You can make more subs, you can get more players into the club, etc., etc. But I don't know, just something I was thinking about on the way home about do we put too much in sometimes? Um, I don't know, it seems like a really odd thing to say, but I don't know if I'm kind of making the point. But yeah, it, just, it definitely was a game where I feel like we, we were massively worked hard first half and it, and it definitely tired us out second half. It's really interesting. I did my normal you know, team team prediction before the game. Um, yeah, it's brilliant. Mm. Got it right again. <laughs> it's been quite easy getting the team right at the moment. <laughs> no, it's not hard, is And it? then, yeah, it's really interesting. Nathan, Nathan Rowden put on um, on Twitter in reply saying, maybe a time to show show Jenna or Bloxham. He said, he's, I'm a tad worried we might be starting with a few feeling a bit tired. And then I said, they've had a week off. I can't see it being an issue. And then I went back to the tweet. It was one of the few people I did reply to after the game when I was in my sulk. Um, <laughs> and I said, I think you're right. We're tired in the last quarter. And I think, he, I think mm. he was right. And quite a few people commented on it. Dan Hoff, who's won the podcast a couple weeks ago, came on as well, who said the same as well. And I think like Leahy, um, I would say maybe Vela, Ogbeta, Bowman, Ado. Um, I thought those guys tired. And you know, yes. we, especially for sixty-five minutes, whether it was it was it the fact that we put so much in the first quite sixty-five minutes, 50, forty-five minutes, I would say maybe just that the tank was emptier. Now you could turn that around and say, well, if you know your tank's emptier, don't try as hard or whatever. Um, but I think if we got a goal or two, spread it out. Yeah, you know, you have that second wind. I think we'd we'd struggle to have that second wind, and I think mentally, you know, football, you know, a lot of football games are decided by players' mentality and and kind of morale and stuff. And I just felt that yeah, sixty five minutes, we hadn't got that goal. Maybe the players felt a little bit despondent, and maybe you're right, Glenn. Maybe the lack of options on the bench. You know, Vela knows he's not going to come off. Lee, he knows he's not going to come off. Bennett, um, or better knows he might come off because he often gets subbed. But you know, Bennett's not going to get subbed. The strikers haven't been subbed for a long time. Maybe there's something in there, Glenn. And I think it's you know been the theme of the season, isn't it? Lack of options. So I think if we'd had a a Chapman type um, or a you know another attacking fullback to come on, one obviously that would meant more rotation. But I think maybe there's something in there, Glenn, about players subconsciously left resting on their their morals. Their morals. Well, there can't get my words out. Yeah. It- it's a hard one to describe, isn't it? We're not obviously the manager, and we don't, we don't, you know, we don't see everything. I suppose Bennett's a good example for me of what I kind of saw on Saturday, and that he played really well. Like Bennett was amazing on Saturday. He's one of our he best players. Most of our attacks went down the right. He's absolutely brilliant, right? But you know, not on sixty-five minutes, but looking at him on, on, on ten minutes, I think Bolton had an attack down his side, and he is like breathing really heavy to kind of keep up with the strikers. And you know, it's a striker that's just come on. You know it. And you know, I feel I feel like we're going back to squads and we're going back to the squad building and stuff like that. But I, I love Bennett. I think he's an absolute class player. But the bloke's running through brick walls for Steve Cottrell, and I just feel like Steve could just give him a bit of help every now and again. And Who's going? That's the trouble, an, and that's the trouble with the quality drop off. As much as I like Daniels in League One, right wing, right back at the moment, he, you know, he could no. could maybe he'll develop into that in the future, but he's not there now. And I guess that's the trouble. That's why the reason why everyone who's doing on the Fan Hub app doing the the team, you know, eleven, it picks itself at the yep. moment, um, yep. and it's, a, it's the same old, same old at the moment, isn't it? So I, I felt sorry for the players losing this game on the principle that it probably a lot of it came down to a bit of the fatigue we've been talking about because they they can't be faulted for the effort, but at some points your reserves just dry up, don't they? There's no way to fix that problem unless you sub someone off, and he clearly doesn't want to do it. And, and that was the big discussion, wasn't it, as this half went well, on? It was just interesting you say sub, that, sub, Glenn. subs. Just looking at minutes, I'm just doing this like on the cuff now. So you've, got, so you've got, like, you know, basically the first team, including, obviously, you know, you've got the first team, basically, have played, you know, 1,500 minutes, and then um, 1,005 minutes. So everyone above or better in terms of minutes is, you know, Ethan, you know, Josh Vela, um, Davis, you know, Pennington's mm-hmm. third, Marcel Marusi played the most minutes. Leahy's played the second most minutes. Not okay. really dropped a game. And then after no. that, you've got Pierre in 1,000 minutes. Then you've got Worley, who's obviously playing a lot of games, 900 minutes. And then Bloxham. And then Sam Consgrove, who couldn't even get in the squad and Pike on 500 <laughs> minutes. And 
you know, you just look at those players outside that front eleven of twelve, and you think Sean Moy, blocks from Cosgrove and Pike, and again, it's just lack of Naka's numbers, isn't it? It's been, been the issue. But but that, but that was one of the post match criticisms on this one, wasn't it? Is that you can't say we didn't have some options this week. You know, we had a new central midfielder who's massively highly rated. He's only been on here a couple of weeks, a couple of days. Agree, agree, but. You know, we have got him. We had Bloxham, who's definitely worth game time from what we've seen this season and, and, and obviously did come on late on. And obviously Janahai, who we did bring on, but again, not with massive amounts of time left. You know, there was at least three options there. I know he did use two of them eventually, but just felt like maybe, you know, early on in that second half, he could have he could have pulled the plug with Bowman and Ado, played Bloxham and, and um, Janahai. And I don't think it would have made too much of a difference in, t- in terms of how we're playing. And you never know, one of them might have snaffled a chance by just being a little bit sharper. But yeah, I know you live and learn, I suppose. And, and he's the manager; he gets paid for this. If he keeps making those mistakes, it won't won't go well. But it's he recruitment. It, for a few it comes back to recruitment yeah. again, doesn't it? We need we need we need some, some reinforcements in right wing back. We need reinforcement for central midfield. We need a number ten. Um, and if we get if Cosgrove goes back and Pike goes on loan. Um, we probably need another striker as well. Well, Espelo has gone back, hasn't he? Kind of confirmed yeah. that and d- didn't quite say, didn't quite in the post-match com- conversation kick Cosgrove to the curb quite yet. But well, it says a lot about Sam Cosgrove, but... doesn't it? That he doesn't even get in the match squad <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, exactly. Um, and no, I think it does. Probably, um, I think it's fair to say that um, his performances and who knows? I'm sure heads of recruitment do look on Twitter. I'm sure your town mm. fans' opinion of Sam Cosgrove means that we're. Yeah, he's he's here for a while at the moment until we can convince a, another team to take him on loan. But it is, you know, when we're moving away from the game, we'll come back to it in a minute, Ollie. We are tangential because this is kind of the crux of why we probably lost this game. Um, it does worry me a little bit that we've we've gone through this much of the transfer window now. So 23rd of Jan, so a week left of the transfer window. We've let two loanees go, essentially, and we've got two loanees in, um, in exactly the same positions we had them before. So I'm not sure we've really done anything too positive. Well, as yeah, as proof will be in the pudding, won't it, whether, yeah. whether they play yeah. how many minutes. And I think that will be yeah. the test, won't it, talking of minutes again. Um, so, yeah, Lesha Bella's played 85 minutes and Sam Crosgrove's played 700 minutes. So mm. it'd be interesting to see where those guys get it's to. Um, you'd hope yeah. they'd get at least over 500, 600. Um, and yeah, obviously the, the lad we signed from Forest has uh, had a very, very good loan spell, played 44 games for Plymouth last year. Um, I think he's in a different category um, to Alessio Bella. Yeah, it feels like he should be getting game time pretty soon. I, I suspect he's going to start at Gillingham. I can't see us play that central midfield. Yeah, you'd expect you knew, a bit of rotation yeah. um, playing, coming into play. Yeah, we'd have to play the same team again. Um, anyway... What was left in the rest of this game? There was a horrible Icelandic clap from the Bolton oh, fans. Oh, God. So we, we give Bolton <laughs> fans a lot of credit where credit's yeah, due. Really good it. chanting, some good bit of banter, uh, you know, a bit of self-deprecation um, chanting, wanky-wanky-wanderers. Um, but this Icelandic <laughs> clap, uh, would, is it worse than, a club, you know, Man City fans doing the Poznan and copying other clubs? Um, it's It yeah. just sounds naff, um, to be honest. Well... My objection to it was considering the, the connotations that clap has for one of England's lowest moments in the history of our nation. <laughs> there's no full-blooded English male should ever ever want to do the Icelandic clap, in my view. Um, that's that's how f- badly remembered it is for me in terms of uh, any kind of celebration. It's, it's worse than the Poznan for definite. But um, they did bring an Icelandic guy on, I suppose. So there is that. Kind well, that's why they do, and they do have they do have a little connection to having Icelandic players in their defence. Yes. But. It's, no, it's, poor. it's, not, it's no expect, expect better. Expect a, a, a fan base of <laughs> of Bolton's and of good standing um, and being a, a you know good set of Northern fans. I'd expect better. <laughs> but the atmosphere in general in the second half was amazing yeah. by the Bolton fans and also and by God, our fans. God, as well. I'm just uh, we're going to come to it, but yeah, that moment for them must have been really special. Probably one of the hope could might be one of their moments of the season. That's what football's all about, isn't it? That away that away goal for them. As much as it obviously oh, yeah. sickened us, it was um, it was a nice moment for their their fans. It was one of the noisiest celebrations we had for an away team in terms of a goal that I can. And that contributed at least fifty percent to my sulk. Uh, yeah, well, I couldn't look at them, Ollie. I couldn't look at the Bolton no, fans I after they scored. At that point <laughs> Although I did see a few always... of them get thrown out, so that's always makes up for a little bit. Um, we're bad losers, and we're not going to deny that, are we? Ollie? No. So there we go. Um, but yeah, I, I just meant in general that second half, the atmosphere was absolutely it was electric, good. I thought so. Yeah, it was yeah, good, and, really and both good. the South Stand and South Stand and the West Stand were both making some noise, um, which is good. Yeah, and that was it really, I suppose. Um, well, we should talk about the goal, I suppose, um, yeah. which was pretty good, Ollie. It was a brilliant strike from Charles, wasn't Amazing. it? Um, but I yep. think when we come to reviewing it, I don't want to be too harsh on better, and particularly Nurse, who has been one of the signings of the season, and I think Nurse had a really good game again. You know, having a player on the edge of the box with no one around him, giving him that time and space to shoot, 
But to be honest, he probably would have that probably still would have gone on the back of the net if even if he was being closed down. Superb effort from Charles, who's his first goal for Bolton, apparently. No way. Um, a goal, um, I think, that is, is worthy of winning a game. Um, no, definitely. Yeah. But but that was the only time he found himself with any space on the edge of the box the entire game. Well, he, That's did, the well, he, did, he did the shot in the first <laughs> half that Ebanks blocked. And it just shows yeah, you maybe someone had been closer, maybe someone had broke him down. But I think, you know, you know, we're not, we are obviously Shooty Town fans, but I think we're also football fans as well. Um, and you've got to respect um, a good strike from that. And it was a, it was a, it was a strike worthy win in the game. Oh, it was, it was, a, it was one of those just blows to the solar plexus. Though, if wasn't we, it? If we'd have scored that goal, Glenn, if that had been a oh. better or Vela or someone like that, this podcast, yeah, we would have been talking about that all season. Was not we? Yeah, still wonder one goal of the season because um, blocks him no. over a volley. He's going to win goal of the season. And, <laughs> but, yeah, and or but a doze as well at away. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, we have had a couple of good ones this season. It's funny. I've been going off on a tangent again. I've been um, slowly. I think I mentioned before slowly going through all of the Shrewsbury Town goals that have been scored at New Meadow. Um, kind of looking to kind of pick out the best goals we've ever scored at the New Meadow. Best goal at the South Stand. Best goal at the North Stand. Um, kind of just to weigh it all up. And I've got to 2011-12. Um, and uh, yeah, kind of going through that Dave Hibbert kind of great goal he scored against Ipswich and a few other goals that season. But I just, I just once again, Ollie, we talk about him on the podcast quite a lot. But I, I, I still love Mark Wright. <laughs> Man scored some amazing goals for us, and um, just and watching those, those goals back. Players back. That got, I always rated him at the time. I always thought he was fantastic. A player that scores nearly ten goals and ten assists a season is a rare, rare yeah. commodity. Um, and true Joe fans, you know, would, would whinge about him all the time. It was, I always found that an odd one. Yeah. And there was two other things I've noticed doing that this week. We went two two years, two months without a penalty at home, and um, well, scoring a penalty at home. And another one was I was looking at all the goals that Ben Davis scored from free kicks, like trying to figure out how many direct free kicks we've had scored at the Meadow as well, part of the work I'm doing for the club. And um, after Ben Davis left the club, we didn't score any for ages. And the only two people that did were Josh Ladderby, which I'd totally forgotten about, scored two direct free kicks. And then the other one was Lewis Neal. And like you probably not many town fans remember Lewis Neal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But he scored one of the he scored one of the best free kicks I've seen at the Meadow. I haven't watched it back and, and we'll probably put that in you the vote when we get to it but yeah funny funny old time this 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 podcast has been one of many tangents <laughs> you can tell we lost <laughs> it's good though it was it, it's i think they're better when we do it like that because there's lots of things to talk about around this game so um there we go but yeah great goal um we slug slug blocks him on then for the last couple of minutes and he did get a chance didn't he in the last minute from a corner um got recycled out to him well, cleared out to him and he just blazed it over, which was a bit unfortunate. If that had gone in, the bloody roof would have erupted. But yeah, it wasn't that. And, and you know, the whole overall feeling leaving Ollie was, you know, we might not have deserved to win because of our finishing, but we bloody didn't deserve to lose, did we? No, we really didn't. Um, as we said, you know, we had twice as many shots as them and completely dominated the game in 65 minutes. Very, very frustrating, um, really, um, way to lose the game. Um, and I think it always says yeah. a lot. So if you remember um, when I went to Bolton and we had James on the podcast, um, the, the, the the posh fan who gave his kind of expert analysis, it was a really good podcast, um, well, mm. well received by Shrewsbury fans. And um, a guy called D-Rock, who was a guy, one of the guys I met and had lunch with before the Bolton game, and he said, apologies for today's results, thought you bossed it for about 60 minutes of the game, Vela, but Vela was unplayable for parts of the first half. Um, if you had your shooting mm-hmm. boots on, it might have been a different uh, proposition. Good luck for the rest of the season. Um, so I think if you get, you know, there's a, quite a few some sensible Bolton fans on Twitter on yep. Saturday night, um, kind of, yeah, giving some um, products where it was due for our performances. Um, but yeah, it wasn't to be, was it, unfortunately? Um, yeah, 21 shots. And also, you know, we've obviously in the last few years, we've been a team that's been really heavy light on set pieces. We only had three, mm. um, three set pieces attempts out of the 21. Um, so yeah, definitely progress has been made. Definitely, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, I suppose there's a post-match just to have a look at before we touch on, on Steve's Cottrell's uh, comments in our top three, but it's become apparent in these last two home games, Ollie, um, against Sheffield Wednesday and Bolton, that there's, a, there's an issue with fans leaving the stadium. Um, and we obviously used to have, up on Twatley Road, you used to have the South Stand, uh, sorry, the West Stand exit out onto Super Blues Way. A lot of people would go up the embankment, um, which has now been closed off, and, and I'll come back to that. And then there's the steps up onto Otley Way, Otley Road, um, a bit further along. But the point is, on these big attendances, the, the sheer capacity of just that one set of steps now is not enough. And particularly when you have a sold-out away end, where you've got quite a lot of rowdy fans from both sides, to be honest with you, meeting, because the, the West End Block 19 come out, and they kind of meet at that pinch point where the so stairs are. So they just let them out I'm at telling, the same time? Yeah, I'm telling you, there's that is an accident waiting to happen one day. I don't day, understand um, why they don't do that. I think with, if you have an away, away, a big police presence and a big away following, surely they should be out like 10, 15 minutes later than the Shrewsbury Town fans. It's not good. 
It's not, it's not just about that, though. Even in some of the games this season, you know, where we've had slightly smaller attendances, getting out of Super Blues Way has become a right pain in the ass. And essentially, the solution that needs to be done is that those steps onto Otley Road need to be twice or three times as wide to just give you that flow and capacity out of that pinch point and, and, and a safe route with steps. So it's something I've flagged up to the supporters liaison officers today. Um, because, to be fair to Brian and the club, we raised it at our last supporters parliament meeting and they did shut off that fence and they thought that would help. That was kind of the initial thoughts of it. But clearly that's made things worse, I would suggest. Um, and yeah there's just not the capacity and, and I read a few things I didn't like to see about people saying walking along Otley Road and that pinch point was very uncomfortable the most uncomfortable I felt leaving the stadium and comments like that are not great to be honest with you there was obviously a little bit of trouble as things I went on down Otley Road there was a lot of trouble in town apparently um, which, which wasn't great and I think the police also need to have a look at themselves on Saturday that, that was very 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 heavily policed the game on Saturday and they put road closures in which aren't normally expected um, they shut off Otley Road so everyone had to turn right out of the stadium it just made everything so much more difficult to the point that I, I, I was going to get a lift home with my dad but they were like oh we're going to pop into Aldi and do some shopping so I went in there and we came out of there at 20 to 6 and there were still tons of cars trying to get out of the car park and apparently it was the same on the park and ride it took some people an hour to get out of the park and ride because the police had shut so many roads down because of some of the trouble they're expecting so definitely one of those games I think that um, Lawrence Ellaby the safety officer the club probably the police liaison officers will all have a look at and think did we did was what happened on Saturday right is it something that can help us identify a problem that might happen down the line because there's a lot of things that generated from the post-match that weren't weren't great to read to be honest with you so not to put a negative on everything but you know you you use these things as a learning exercise don't you rather than kind of letting things continue yeah fingers crossed it can be improved because yeah it's mm. yeah I, I do I, I do enjoy in some ways going down the old Sainsbury's route because while it's quite boring and a bit odd just walking down a, a narrow path um but there is yeah just shooty town fans um, so yeah no no trouble for me on on my side yeah, yeah, not good. I was out on the Otley Road when it isn't. It's not been great the last few few months, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, fingers crossed the club will they'll do something about it. Um, yeah, and I suppose if we're looking back at positives, Ollie, just to flip back the other way, let's look at top three. So who did you go for your top three, Ollie? Yeah, it was tough this week because obviously we lost, and but no one like people had some good games, but everyone had a fault somewhere in their game. I thought yeah. so. Yeah. Um, you know, I went for Ebanks, Nurse, and Davis. Yeah, Ollie, I totally agree with you. Um, there was a lot of players that played really well, but everyone had a little bit of a fault. I think for me, um, I, I got the, the top two you had the other way around, so I had Nurse Man of the Match. I thought he was really, really good in the game going forward, but his defensive play was great. I thought Ebanks was second. He was he was absolutely fantastic. And I saw a few people, you know, Pennington did have a couple of faults on Saturday, but I thought, you know, he was really good as well, Pennington. So I went for um, for Pennington as my third place, but harsh on Bennett, who doesn't get in either of our top threes. And um, yeah, just one of those games, I suppose, where a few people were, were, were kind of really good. But I wanted to go for the three defenders, I thought thought they were they were all exceptional yeah i think yeah it was i could have put bennett in there i thought he had a good game i thought um pennington was really good um, had a good game as well um and yeah you know this vela as well i thought was quite good but he was almost like yeah. vela did really well but he is almost his high standards but also just those yeah. shots for me meant i couldn't give it to him um but yeah and then yeah manager was um on un- 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 you know understandably quite frustrated and he even touched on it Definitely. himself about you know he's not us not as good to interview after a game when when we've lost. So yeah, tough one to take, especially when we're the better team. We've created enough chances to win. In the end, they end mm. up scoring one of their shots. Um, yeah, he said he thinks he hadn't checked, but he had double his chances. And yeah, he was right. Shots, not real clear cut chances. Um, he said, "Do you take encouragement from this from Stu?" Dunn? He said, "No, I don't take encouragement from a defeat. It's hard to put a face on for you. I feel um, down for the players." Another day we'd have got the score and yeah, I think it's fair to say he wasn't in the best moods because we lost and that is definitely a, nope. a Steve Cottrell trait that he's very consistent with. When we when he wins, he's fantastic. After he loses, quite rightly so, he's he's very um, he's, he's fuming uh, and upset or, or whatever mix of emotions. And I think probably the big takeaway really from his match day um, was basically that you know Cosgrove had not been picked to the squad. Um, he picked other players <laughs> ahead of him, which I think is quite um, quite telling that um, yeah a guy who's a yeah, you know, full-time professional adult um, didn't make the bench again. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone. As much as he hasn't said he's gone. If we can get rid of him, isn't he? So, well, yeah. Hopefully, release clauses are in our favour, not Birmingham's, because they might just fancy leaving him here. But it's not helping them if he stays here and doesn't play the rest of the season. So they might, they might want to read the weed. Read. I think maybe that was a comment aimed at, Brist- at Birmingham City, wasn't it? To say, yeah, but someone's got to take him if they want him. To, he's not going to get in their <laughs> team, is he? In the Championship, so they need to sort of League One team. What's worse, playing in their reserves, or, well, or you know, and, and playing against, and training four, with their three players? Pay a week, be probably best to leave them at Shrewsbury. To be honest. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, if they're one of these championship teams that are struggling for money, um, like a few of well, them are. are there money, we go. Yeah. Okay, well, that, that was that was Saturday. Uh, not the best, <laughs> but chance to make it up, Ollie. 
in the next few weeks. Yeah, it is. So, yeah, so if looking ahead, we get the fixtures right this time, Glenn. So who are we playing uh, next? <laughs> we are playing Gillingham away on Tuesday. I was right last week in the end, turns out, Holly. So there we go. Just um, a pod early. Yeah, we've got Gillingham. <laughs> yeah, we've got Gillingham away on Tuesday and uh, yeah, we've got Wimbledon um, away on the, the following Saturday. So these two teams are in absolutely dreadful form, Ollie. Um Obviously both down the bottom of the league below us. So to me, I don't care where it's at. I'd like to see it on Saturday because I'm going to Wimbledon on the booze, on the train. So I'd like to see us win at Wimbledon. But if we get a win at Gillingham first and lose at Wimbledon, I won't be too bothered. We need a win from one of these next two games. Um, we can't lose to both these teams considering how bad they are and considering how we could get dragged back into trouble. So that's my view. We need a win this week. I'm not sure where it comes, where it comes, but we need a win. I would say, yeah, obviously, it would be ideal to win both games. Um, obviously, it would be any time. <laughs> but, um, yeah, fingers crossed we can we can get something from this one. Um, it would be, yeah, I think Gillingham for me is, is the big one, isn't it? We need to really, really get something from that one. I can't imagine too many people will be going. Um, but, yeah, it would be um, it would be a big a big week. Obviously, four points would be good. I think a draw against Wimbledon probably would be acceptable. Um, but yeah, it would be it would be ideal to um, to get the three points. If we get the three points against Gillingham, put in a good performance, especially if we rest a couple, um, we could make um, yeah Saturday a little bit more enticing. Yeah, I, no one's going to go to Gillingham are they on Tuesday night. I would agree with that. We'll take the, the kind of hardcore three hundred, and I doff my cap to them because I will not be present <laughs> this week. Um, but Wimbledon, I think we might sell our tickets to Wimbledon because new stadium, Ollie. We've not been to their, their new ground since it opened, have we? And um, you know, London Shrews is quite a lot of them, so I can see us taking a real good attendance. Yeah, to Wimbledon my brother's and hopefully my brother again, like for the Matt, he's going to go to this one. Yeah. So I hope that we can be the 12th man at Wimbledon if we don't get the result at Gillingham. But yeah, I def- definitely need something this week, don't we? And uh, yeah, f- fingers crossed. I'll be there to, have a, to to see what's going on. And obviously we'll be watching on iFollow on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, should be good. I'm looking forward to this. Um, it'll be nice. Yeah, two games in a week, which is always good. Um, and yeah, fingers crossed we can get something. And yeah, hopefully we'll have something positive to talk about. Just before we finish, um, there's a really good podcast, uh-huh. Wimbledon podcast called Nine Years Podcast, um, which is the Wimbledon podcast. And they've actually working with the club um, to do a, a kind of AFC Wimbledon TV, um, and um, their podcast have asked if um, if any of our fans would be interested in being interviewed fifteen minutes or so before the game. So if you're interested in doing that, just drop me or Glenn a direct message or send us an email, um, the, and we'll um, yeah give it. Let us know if you're interested, in and we'll pass your details on to to the Nine Years podcast. Um, so yeah, if you want to be on be on YouTube and um, yeah contribute, yeah please get involved. <laughs> That's a good idea, to be fair. Yeah, there you go. Get, in, get involved. It's always good to help out these uh, these other clubs and their their media. It's always, I think, every football club like the days of the fanzines needs you know a little bit of independent fan media to keep people honest. And I know that that nine years podcast does a really good job. So um, yeah, yep. get involved. And um, yeah, we'll be back next week. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully have at least one win to talk about. And yeah, just cruising towards the end of the season, Ollie, with about what will it be? Sort of eighteen games to go, pretty much, then, won't it? So, yeah, we're get we're on the way now towards the end, aren't we? So, a few more wins, let's get a few, safe more, and, few more wins um, at yeah, a couple of players, win. and yeah, let's hopefully end the yes. end the season and season um, on a high. That's true. We'll have the transfer window to talk about at the end, won't we? Next week as well. So, yeah, um, yeah lots to talk about. So, yeah, we'll be back next Sunday, and uh, have a good week, everyone.